funding for NJ Spotlight News provided by the members of the New Jersey Education Association, making public schools great for every child, and RWJ Barnabas Health. Let's be healthy together. Tonight on NJ Spotlight News, a billion dollar budget. The Port Authority approving billions to upgrade our tunnels, terminals, and yes, it will increase our tolls. Also, abortion rights take center stage once again. The U.S. Supreme Court agreeing to take up the debate over abortion pill access. And so the question is, do we want to trust the experts or do we want the Supreme Court to tell us this is when a medication is safe or this is the kind of regulation that an agency, agency should be able to promulgate? Plus, for the first time, Russian President Vladimir Putin talks of the possible return of New Jersey native and Wall Street Journal reporter Evan Gershkovich, despite courts denying his appeal for release. There have been negotiations, and it seems, you know, from what I've heard from our side, there have been proposals, and that he spoke favorably about them suggests that something is happening on that front. And you can still line up while rolling the dice in Atlantic City. A vote to ban smoking in casinos was again tabled. Uh, I much prefer, you know, bars, restaurants, casinos to be non-smoking. Uh, I think that's the way it should be, but, uh, you know, there are other, other things at play here. NJ Spotlight News begins right now. From NJPBS Studios, this is NJ Spotlight News with Brianna Venozzi. Good evening and thanks for joining us on this Thursday night. I'm Brianna Venozzi. The Port Authority has a massive new budget. The Board of Commissioners today voting to approve a $9.3 billion annual spending plan that'll tackle projects at the region's airports, a new air train at Newark Airport, and kickstart the construction of a new Midtown bus terminal. The budget is a billion dollars higher than last year's as the agency eyes a return to pre-pandemic spending, but that extra cash has to come from somewhere. And as senior correspondent Brenda Flanagan reports, part of the plan is to raise tolls and transit tickets to pay for it. The votes are in order. The item is approved. With a unanimous vote, the Bi-State Port Authority launched next year's more than $9 billion budget. It'll boost spending by a billion bucks, raise tolls to help pay for it, and try to improve some of the mass transit sore spots that routinely try travelers' souls, like jam-packed path trains and the obsolete overcrowded Midtown bus terminal. As one supporter commented, well, The infrastructure commitment being made today will benefit New Jersey and the region for the remainder of the 21st century. Here's the basics. The $9.3 billion plan spends a billion dollars more than this year. Almost $4 billion will keep the wheels turning and the planes flying. $3.6 billion will fund big transit projects, and the rest mostly pays debt. For travelers tired of delays, the capital spending plan tackles constructing a better Newark air train, developing a new Midtown bus terminal, and buying 72 new PATH train cars so the system can handle a rapid growth in ridership. Riders have asked for more PATH service, the agency reported. 110 of the comments were requesting consideration of expanded PATH service on the nights and the weekends as PATH ridership continues its steady recovery 
and we have seen the recovery levels uh, higher on, in those periods. PATH has also installed the new tap-and-go payment system at its turnstiles. As for the new air train, it will involve cables and a wheelhouse. It's a new cable-drawn uh, vehicle, so it's electric-powered. The initial build-out uh, consists of five uh, cars on each train, and we expect the service to come in in 2029. The budget also includes toll hikes at the six bridges and tunnels, where it'll cost an extra 63 cents next year, a 3.7% increase tied to the consumer price index. That'll push peak Easy Pass tolls well over 15 bucks a car, off-peak to more than $13, and mail-ins to an eye-watering 1763. The agency can't yet estimate how congestion pricing will impact revenues, but says it needs the toll hikes. They are important and necessary to provide the support for us to uh, uh, pay for our increased expenses as a result of inflation, as well as to support the capital program. The budget includes millions to fix wear and tear on existing structures like the George Washington Bridge. In the Holland Tunnel, it'll repair damage done by Superstorm Sandy. And it aims to improve resilience to climate change, a growing complication for transportation systems worldwide. I'm Brenda Flanagan, NJ Spotlight News. Today marks the two-year anniversary of the state's launch of the Arrive Together program, pairing police officers with mental health professionals when responding to 911 calls involving mental health crises. The program began as a pilot in Cumberland County, but is now serving a third of the state's population, according to Attorney General Matt Platkin, who today, with Governor Murphy, announced Arrive hit another milestone, operating in all 21 counties. As state leaders celebrated a victory lap, community organizers told Melissa Rose Cooper there's still a lot of work to be done. And the truth is, Arrive Together is making a difference. It's changing lives and it's saving lives. A strong message New Jersey leaders, law enforcement, mental health experts, and other community leaders are sharing as they celebrate the two-year anniversary of Arrive Together. The program is an alternative way to effectively handle mental health emergencies through a partnership of resources. When we think about 2,000 interactions through this program now across the state, across all 21 of our counties, we don't know. We don't know which one of those 2,000 could have become that tragedy, but for the interventions that we're putting into place. It's an idea Attorney General Matt Placken says he started thinking about before stepping into office. Before I became Attorney General, it was in between stints in government, and I had, I, I had watched too many and still watch too many videos of fatal police encounters. And well, one thing that was clear to me in so many of them was, even if it's a justified incident, there were things we could have done to prevent it from getting to that point. And I started working in private capacity on an alternative response uh, 
program. Now in all 21 counties across the state, Arrive Together is the first of its kind to partner law enforcement with mental health professionals when responding to mental health emergencies. In a report published earlier this year by the Brookings Institution, data showed force wasn't used in 97% of cases during an Arrive Together call and 98% of calls did not result in an arrest. The fact that police officers are calling for the teams whether they're working within their towns or, or shared resource, it, it tells us that they're recognizing when a person is in a mental crisis and they're recognizing that they need another level of care. I think that um, it's a step forward of recognizing that police officers cannot solve um, a lot of social issues or any social issues that we have in this country, but they're still too reliant on police officers to be involved in the process when they shouldn't be involved in the process at all. Zelly Thomas of Black Lives Matter Patterson says community members have continuously expressed their concerns about Arrive Together to the Attorney General's office, especially after the police shooting death of Najee Seabrooks. For almost a year now, we've been really adamant that these models are the ones that we want to uh, incorporate in order to save lives. This is not about um, hating police officers. It's about recognizing that police officers um, can't solve all um, the problems in our community. They shouldn't have to, and they can't. So we recognize that, and instead we're trying to propose an alternative, a win-win for all parties. It's a win for police officers who are not equipped to do this, and it's a win for the community members, especially our most vulnerable, to keep them safe in their times of need. Attorney General Placken says the Arrive Together program will be tailored specifically to handle the needs of every community, all with the goal of keeping everyone safe. For NJ Spotlight News, I'm Melissa Rose Cooper. A high-stakes legal battle is playing out in the U.S. Supreme Court as the Biden administration defends federal approval of the abortion pill Mifepristone and a recent move to make it more widely available by mail. This is the first case involving abortion for the high court since it overturned Roe v. Wade last year, and justices are considering whether to reverse a lower court ruling that would put restrictions on the drug, which is the most common method of terminating a pregnancy in the U.S., and cut off access through telehealth. The court will hear oral arguments early next year with a ruling due by the end of June, smack in the middle of the presidential election. For more on what this major ruling will mean, even in a state like New Jersey where abortion is legal, I'm joined by Rutgers Camden Law Professor Kim Mutcherson. Kim, uh, set this up for me. The Supreme Court has agreed to hear this case, but what's at stake? So basically what's at stake is the rules by which mifepristone can be dispensed. So there was initial approval in 2000 and there were a bunch of requirements that were that the FDA created at that point. And then they made changes in 2016 and then again made changes in 2021. So what the Supreme Court has said is we are not going to go back to the 2000 approval. That's that's done. Right. So there's no question here about whether mifepristone is just going to be pulled off the market altogether. The question is whether the changes that were made in 2016 and 2021 are going to be able to stand. And those changes were things like how many visits people had to make to the office, 
um, changes that allowed people other than physicians to prescribe, other people with uh, prescribing authority, um, extended the time period, the gestational age for which medication abortion was available. So some really big changes that were made, and the Supreme Court is deciding whether those changes are okay. And that gestation period would go from 10 weeks down to seven, um, asking folks to do up to three doctor's visits where previously they didn't need to. So what does it all mean for access to this pill, which is widely used? Yeah, so the first thing I think I, I want to be very, very clear on is that absolutely nothing has changed right now, right? We are just waiting. The Supreme Court will hear oral arguments this spring at some point. Um, and again, we'll have an exciting summer as we wait for the big decisions from the Supreme Court. So it means nothing now. What it would mean if they decided that they were going to sort of roll back the clock is that it would be much more difficult to access medication abortion, even in states where abortion is not banned. So the difference between being able to say, do uh, an abortion or get your medication through telehealth, right? So you're at home, you don't have to go to a, a doctor's office, you don't have to take time off of work, you don't have to find somebody to watch the kids you already have at home. We know that most people who have abortions already have children. So suddenly you'd have to make three different doctor's visits. You'd have to know earlier about your pregnancy because it would no longer go up to 10 weeks. Only a physician would be able to prescribe that medication for you. So there are lots of things that would change if the Supreme Court decides um, that it's going to go with what the Fifth Circuit decided. Does this set up, Kim, a larger battle for the pharmaceutical industry if the Supreme Court is able to make a decision like this about a drug that the FDA um, has you know, effectively said is safe for the last few decades. Yeah. So I actually think it sets, it obviously sets up issues for pharmaceutical companies, right? Because this is being decided in the context of a medication, but it really sets up a much broader fight, right? Which is trying to understand when will the Supreme Court give deference to federal agencies? And the FDA is one of many, many federal agencies that has a lot of people on staff who are experts in their field, who spend enormous amounts of time thinking about particular problems and coming up with regulations related to those problems. And so the question is, do we wanna trust the experts or do we want the Supreme Court to tell us this is when a medication is safe or this is the kind of regulation that an agency, agency should be able to promulgate? Kim Mutcherson is a professor of law at Rutgers Camden. Kim, thank you so much. Absolutely. It's always great to talk to you. A community health care center serving some of the state's most disadvantaged patients is getting an upgrade. Zufall Health will soon be welcoming people at a new location in West Orange. The operators say it'll help them better care for their roughly 45,000 medical and dental patients. As Ted Goldberg reports, the expanded new space is highlighting the critical role of nonprofit medical centers at a time when federal funding for them hangs in the balance. Unbelievable. Exceeds my wildest expectations. Dr. Robert Zufall is amazed by the new building for the community health center bearing his name. I just can't believe it. it it's, uh, it's blown away is, is the phrase I would use. Former Zufall president Eva Turbiner says the new building will help doctors take better care of their patients, more than half of whom don't have insurance. Most of them are either on Medicaid, Medicare, or NJ Family Care. That's what we really always want to convey to our patients is, you know, you may not have insurance, you, you may 
um, be treated disrespectfully in many other areas of your life, but you will always be treated respectfully here. The new building is a better fit for Zoo Falls 45,000 patients. Our first year, which seven years ago in a small shop, we did 1,900 patients and 5,000 visits. Mm -hmm. This year, we've had 5,000 um, visitors and 5,000 patients and 17,000 visits. Those numbers are coming out of that space. Can you imagine Dr. Zufall's mission will continue in this glorious space? Dr. Zufall says the $10 million project in West Orange is a far cry from the first office he worked in. Single room with a curtain so you could put the uh, patient on the other side of the curtain. And so this is a little shinier, a little brighter, would you say? Oh, uh, uh, vastly, vastly. The building is about a month away from accepting patients, but Zufall Health is ready to move out of its old digs, which employees say wasn't too much better than Dr. Zufall's first office. We'll just suffer through for a couple of years, and then we'll have a, a new building somewhere else. We'll move, we'll be fine. And then we got the funding. The space is more than just bright and shiny. Dental suites are just about finished, and the rest of the community health center isn't far behind. To have something beautiful and new, and you'll see everything here is state-of-the-art. Aldo designed a building that is, is sunny and happy and, um, and welcoming. This facility will allow us to double our medical um, capacity. It will triple our dental capacity, and it will bring all of our West Orange, we actually have multiple locations in West Orange because there wasn't enough room, all under one roof, which will be really great for the team. While Zufall Health had a lot of people to thank, they also acknowledged some of the obstacles that led to long delays for the building to open. I have a no thanks to bureaucracy <laughs> um, and the pandemic uh, for having this delay this process, make it much more costly than we originally um, had planned. But we've gotten over those hurdles um, and we're, we're, we're better off for it. Zufall expects the larger building to lead to more patients. They project a 48% increase for year one. In West Orange, I'm Ted Goldberg, NJ Spotlight News. In his first major news conference since the full-scale invasion of Ukraine, Russian President Vladimir Putin today offered a glimmer of hope for the family of detained Wall Street Journal reporter and New Jersey native Evan Gershkovich, saying Russians want to, quote, reach an agreement on Gershkovich's return. The journalist has been in Russian custody since March on charges of espionage that he, the Wall Street Journal, and U.S. government vehemently deny. Putin's statement comes as Moscow rejected Gershkovich's latest appeal for release and after Putin told the world there will be no peace in Ukraine until the Kremlin achieves its goals, which includes the demilitarization and denazification of Ukraine. For more on that and a possible deal on Evans' release, I'm joined by former U.S. Ambassador to Russia, Michael McFaul. Ambassador McFaul, thanks so much for joining the show. President Putin made these remarks about a potential agreement to release Evan Gershkovich on the heels of some very aggressive language around the war itself. Do you believe that the circumstances around where the war is at right now is lending itself toward a, a more favorable negotiation for his release? That's a hard question. I, I don't know the answer to that question. Um, I think it was very interesting and different that Putin himself 
did talk about a possible swap. Uh, that was the biggest news as far as I was concerned for the entire press conference. He didn't give details, but the very fact that he himself was talking about it suggests that one, there have been negotiations and it seems, you know, from what I've heard from our side, there have been proposals and that he spoke favorably about them suggests that something is happening on that front. Well, to the extent that you can, and, and based off your experience, can you take us inside what those discussions might look like? Because he also mentioned U.S. Marine Paul Whelan. Well, uh, and they only mentioned those two. There are two other Americans, by the way, that are detained, uh, but they only mentioned those two. Um, it, if I were guessing, thinking about uh, previous cases like this, uh, the Russians want to get criminals out of jail. And maybe they even want to get one of their most horrible criminals who's in Germany right now. And so that complicates the issue even more, where it's not just people that the United States might be holding, but in particular, uh, this killer in Germany that they've been talking about for years to try to get out. I'm guessing. I want to be clear about that. I'm guessing. Right. But in the previous cases, that's what happened. There was a swap. They got out people that they really wanted. Uh, but that's the kind of hard game that they play in, in terms of these prison swaps. How long could we expect this to drag on, again, based on your experience? Tragically, for a long time. Uh, you know, the family of Paul Whelan knows that more than anybody. Uh, so, you know, we get these glimmers of hope. And, you know, most certainly I jumped on that when I heard that today. Uh, and then sometimes they fall through and sometimes they go for many, many years without a resolution. Um, but that said, the fact that Putin chose to answer the question the way he did, uh, that suggests that there is some uh, movement here. And it suggests to me that these things are not related to the war in Ukraine, right? Sometimes we think, well, the war is going on there, so there's no cooperation. Actually, I don't think that's the case. I think these things happen uh, uh, untangled from each other. Um, and if the, the, the deal is good enough and ripe enough for Putin, I think he would take it. Uh, well, let me ask you about the war then. Uh, UK's President Zelensky was in uh, the White House again, visiting D.C. Um, it appears that Republican support is waning uh, exponentially. What will happen if the U.S. doesn't provide aid, munitions, weapons for Ukraine? Well, the fact that Putin had his press conference today is a signal that he's more confident today than he was a year ago. He canceled that, it used to be an annual event, he canceled it last year because the war was going so bad. Uh, today, tragically, his forces are really dug in. Uh, we should have pushed them, we should have helped the Ukrainians push them out when they weren't so dug in, but they're dug in now and he's playing for time. He thinks time's on his side and he's, uh, you know, he, he's happy. I hope that the Senate and members of Congress after that, the House of Representatives, will get this deal done because otherwise they're giving a gift to Putin for the holidays, not a gift to the Ukrainian soldiers that are, are literally, you know, in trenches today, uh, not firing as many shells as they would like because their supplies are depleted right now. Michael McFaul was the U.S. ambassador to Russia from 2012 to 2014. Michael, thank you so much. Sure. Thanks for having me.
In our spotlight on business report tonight, thousands of workers who clean commercial buildings in New Jersey are ready to walk off the job. 6,500 workers represented by 32BJ SEIU have voted to authorize a strike if a contract agreement isn't reached by the end of the month. Union members gathered at Essex County Community College for the vote on Wednesday and then staged a march to Military Park. The union's top priorities are securing higher pay, expanding health care benefits, paid time off and retirement plans, as well as anti-discrimination language to better protect workers who are immigrants and people of color. The union is combining contract agreements for 15,000 workers, not just in Jersey, but also in the Hudson Valley, Long Island and Fairfield County, Connecticut. Workers who clean office buildings, malls and arenas, including the Prudential Center in Newark, could walk off the job anytime after midnight on December 31st. The bill to ban smoking in Atlantic City casinos is dead again. For the second time in as many months, it failed to get enough votes, despite having dozens of legislative sponsors and strong support from casino workers who say the secondhand smoke they deal with on the job is a health hazard. The bill would have closed a loophole in the state's anti-smoking law, allowing guests to light up on about 20 percent of a casino floor. But the industry lobbied hard against the bill, saying they'd lose customers at a time when casinos are still rebounding from the pandemic. Senator Vince Palestina, who represents Atlantic City, said he's now working on a compromise bill that would phase out smoking on casino floors by 2025, but also create separate smoking rooms employees would have to agree to work in. The union UAW, which represents thousands of casino workers, has called those rooms, quote, preposterous. So we just uh, you know, came to the conclusion that the full ban probably doesn't have the support. So I think a lot of people want to see something done. And so I do think, you know, once we get back there next year, uh, that we'll build the support necessary uh, because I think a lot of people are of the mindset that we have to stop smoking on the casino floor and stop employees who don't want to be impacted by secondhand smoke from being impacted. On Wall Street, the stock rally continues as investors welcome the Fed's final forecast of the year. Here's how the markets close today. Support for the Business Report is provided by Newark Alliance, which curates the Newark Holiday Festival, a collaborative calendar of holiday events in Newark's Arts and Education District. More details available at NewarkHolidayFestival.com. Tune in this weekend to NJ Business Beat with Raven Santana. She talks to state business leaders about the economic outlook for New Jersey in 2024 and the legislative priorities for business owners next year. Watch it on the NJ Spotlight News YouTube channel Saturday at 10 a.m. And that's going to do it for us tonight. But make sure you catch Reporters Roundtable with David Cruz tomorrow. From elections to indictments, who won the year in New Jersey politics? Comedian and host of the popular podcast New Jersey is the World, Chris Gethardt makes his case. Then a panel of local reporters break down this week's political headlines. Watch Roundtable tomorrow at noon on the NJ Spotlight News YouTube channel. I'm Rihanna Venosi for the entire NJ Spotlight News team. Thanks for being with us. Have a great evening. We'll see here tomorrow. NJM Insurance Group, serving the insurance needs of residents and businesses for more than 100 years, and by the PSCG Foundation.